Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 161, Interviews with NWTF Board Nominees. And I am your host, and the guy who's got some fresh deer meat for the freezer after this past weekend, where gun season opened in Alabama. And I'll give you the quick summary of the weekend hunts here in just a second. But right now we are 112 days, 12 hours, 28 minutes, and 50 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this past weekend, gun deer season opened in Alabama, and Saturday, it was pretty hot. It was about 75 degrees Saturday, which made it kind of miserable getting out into the woods to hunt deer. But I did manage to put a doe down Saturday afternoon, and then a cold front came through Sunday morning, which dropped the temps about 20 or 25 degrees and made things much more comfortable. So Sunday morning, I drove my truck to the area that I was going to hunt, parked it, and I had about a 400-yard walk to get to where I wanted to sit. So I got out of the truck, and I walked probably 100 yards from the truck, looked up the road, and I saw the rear end of a deer standing on the side of the road. So I put my rifle to my shoulder, I looked, and it was a doe, and she took half of a step and turned broadside, And literally less than five minutes after I'd gotten out of the truck, I had more meat on the ground Sunday morning. I was back at the camp with a deer before the other guy in camp even woke up. So Sunday morning was a good morning as well. So last week, I had Becky Humphreys, the new CEO of the NWTF, on the show to talk about the NWTF Board of Directors and the currently ongoing vote to elect three new members to the board. And I mentioned in last week's show that I wanted to get those who are running for the board of directors on the show to interview them so we can learn a little bit more about them and make a decision about who we want to vote for. So today, I have a couple of interviews with NWTF board of directors nominees on the show. I was able to get two of the six nominees on this week. And I'm hopeful that I can track down the other four and have them on the show over the next week or two. So for those of you who are listening, who are NWTF members and have not yet voted 
four board members, then hold off for a couple more weeks. And hopefully, by hearing these guys on the show, you can make a decision about which three gentlemen you want representing the organization that does so much to help fight for the rights of us hunters, to help fight and negotiate for better access to public lands, and to help grow the population of wild turkeys in the U.S. So, first up today is Greg Citrick from Arizona to tell us a little bit more about himself and why he is running for the board. Oh yeah, and I talk a little turkey hunting at the end of each interview, so you'll want to hear that. It's good stuff. Anyway, here's Greg Citrick from Arizona, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today, Greg Citrick who is running for the NWTF Board of Directors. And, well, let's just jump on in with this interview very quickly here. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing good, Andy. Thank you. How about you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. So tell us a little bit about yourself and also why you're running for the Board of Directors. Sure. I'll give you a little background on me. I consider myself an entrepreneur. Uh, I happen to practice law uh, as my day job, but in that role, I have a law degree. I have an electrical engineering degree. I do a lot of business consulting with expertise in a select number of industries that I've worked in over my career. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Chicago. We had a family farm on my mother's side that was about six hours away on the Mississippi River. So I grew up doing my school and my extracurricular activities in the Chicago suburbs, and we spent the summers and most of the winter breaks down on the farm or in outdoor camps over the summers in Wisconsin. I did my undergrad for electrical engineering with an emphasis on semiconductors and came out to Arizona for that. That's how I made it out to the state of Arizona. Okay. After my engineering degree, I went back to Chicago to get my law degree from Northwestern. I practiced in intellectual property, which is patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets. I kind of started off by writing patents and helping people get the pieces of intellectual property. I then worked for a federal judge in the Northern District of Illinois and worked on IP cases, specifically patent cases, and found I loved the interaction with people Mm -hmm. uh, much more than just writing the applications in a closed office. So I went into litigation and practiced in Chicago for about 10 years and then moved out to Arizona the end of 2010 beginning of 2011. And I've been out here since then. I got two kids, 10-year-old boy named Spencer and my daughter, Summer. She's eight. Since I've moved, I kept a farm in Wisconsin and I host a lot of people through work and and friends for outdoor activities year-round up there. So I still have ties back to the Midwest, even though I moved out here. Since moving out here, I coach a lot of youth hockey. I've been doing that for five years. I also coached Northwestern's team for six years after I finished law school. Um, So I've always been into kind of mentoring and giving back to the community in some way. And getting out here, I joined the uh, NWTF, started a chapter Struggled for a little bit as all starting chapters do, I think, in in getting the right committee people. And then once it was up and running, I joined the Arizona State 
NWTF chapter as a board member, mainly because we get to work with Game and Fish and brings all the resources in from all over the state. Mm -hmm. Got into mentoring youth hunting through that. And that kind of gives you a little bit of my background. I didn't start hunting, unfortunately. I grew up on the farm, but did a lot of farm work while I was there. I didn't start hunting until after college. Okay. And I've gotten very passionate about it after college. I've been all over the country and even to a couple other countries pursuing that now, which kind of is a segue into why I want to do, why I would like to be elected to the board, why I'm even running. And I am passionate about the the NWTF and its its motto to save the hunt and save the habitat. As I mentioned, I had a family farm in my mother's side of the family in uh, southern Illinois growing up. Well, after I got out of college and I started getting into hunting, I got to hunt that place twice before the land got locked up and eventually sold. Mm -hmm. So I lost access to hunting property that probably would have been made available if I would have known about some of the issues earlier when I was younger. I didn't get involved until much later. And, you know, some of the family issues had already kind of resolved itself and the land went away. So saving the habitat is one of the things I'm kind of passionate about. And being out West, I've learned, you know, through my property ownership in Wisconsin, it's very different than hunting out West or very different than hunting in the East or some of the Southern states. Land access is different out here. It's it's a lot of public land Mm -hmm. with access points being the critical thing. In other states, it could be private ownership. There might not be public land, uh, so it might be access to to you know places to hunt. So it's it's been very different. But I'm I'm very much into how do people go do this? Where do they go do it? And then the save the hunt side of it. As I said, I've gotten into youth mentoring, youth hunting. It brings me a lot of joy watching these kids and their parents kind of throw that switch from something that they were afraid of or the unknown into something that you could see they love or that they'll be passionate about. And we need to turn all of those people into better ambassadors for, for the NWTF to tell the story, to, to give a good reputation, a good name to the community about what we're doing. And I, I was never mentored. So I lost out on that aspect. And I see a lot of people at these camps that, that are intimidated to go hunting or camping because they don't know what they need. They don't know what the gear is. They don't even know where to go. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things I'm very passionate about. It fits right in line with the with the save the habitat, save the hunt. I can't find a better model that fits with things that I'm kind of aligned with and want to see. That coupled with my background, I've been working with Cabela's in the outdoor industry for over a decade. I have a lot of contacts in the outdoor industry and in a lot of other industries. And really what I hope to do is bring new ideas to the NWTF while at the same time learning about all the great things that they've accomplished and how they did it in the past. So I think at the end of the day, my goal is to stand on the shoulders of those before me to take the NWTF to the next level over the next 20 years. That's really why I'm passionate about this. It's great people serving a great cause. I think I bring some, some new perspective. I bring some industry perspective to the table. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've got uh, kids myself that are growing up right now that I'd like to practice exactly what I'm preaching to them. And I can't think of a better way to help show them that way and show others that way than to be a part of the NWTF and, 
and through a leadership role like the board. So what is it about you that really kind of, and I, I hate to use this term, so bear with me for half a second after I say it, but what is it about you that kind of sets you apart from the other people who are running? Why should we vote for you as opposed to anyone else on the ballot there? So you know, my background is very different from the attorney background. You know, I, I've looked at everybody else's backgrounds and I've looked at the existing board members. I think one of the things that's unique about me is in my job, I hear a lot of things that go wrong with relationships, with businesses, with ideas, with uh, partnerships, right. with joint ventures. And what that does is it gives me a unique perspective because without having to go through those actual exercises and learn from those, you know, be the guy who failed in the business or be the person who is in the business deal, I get to see the benefit of all those years of work in a couple of months. So I'm bringing a lot of industry and, and experiences to the table here where we don't have to say, uh, we don't have to recreate the wheel. We don't have to try and learn things the hard way and say, well, we've never done this before. What if we try this? A lot of times I've seen a situation and I can give perspective and, and, and give examples of what's happened in those situations. Mm -hmm. And I think the industry is changing significantly right now. Social media and consumers, even members are way more savvy on the computer and social media than they were 10 years ago. So if you're still running a plan for your retail ops, your, your retail operations based on what you were doing 10 years ago or even five years ago, you're probably going to fail because Amazon has changed the marketplace and online shopping and, and social media has changed the, the industry. And that's where, uh, you know, I've got to see what's happening. I, I get a sneak peek of what's happening in the industry and I can share the examples with the board and with the NWTF. And again, it's just more information. It's new ideas. It's not having to recreate the wheel and say, well, what happens if, if we did this? I'd like to be able to bring some of those examples and say, well, I know of three companies that have tried those types of things, or I know of three other 5013Cs that have tried these things. And it's bringing all of those experiences that other people have had to deal with that I think gives me a, a unique perspective when I show up to these meetings. And that's how I do a lot of my business consulting now. You know, you get a lot of smart people who come up with an idea, but a lot of the ideas have already been done before somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have that feedback to find out how it went for somebody else. And that's not, not that you make your decision on that, but you're looking for input. You're looking for the information. And I think I can bring input and, and information to these discussions that maybe hasn't been there from my perspective before. Very good. Okay, I hope you got to know a little bit more about Greg, what makes him tick, and why he's qualified for and worthy of one of your votes for the NWTF Board of Directors seats that are up for grabs. Now, here's another gentleman that I know wants your vote for the NWTF Board of Directors as well, and that is Mr. Ronnie Reagan from Georgia. Listen in to Ronnie, tell us more about himself, why he is running for the board, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I've got on the line with me, Ronnie Reagan, and I know he gets this a lot or has gotten it a lot over his years, but not, not the Ronnie Reagan we all think of when we hear the name, but probably one just as good, 
I know Ronnie would probably say that. So Ronnie is actually running for re-election to the NWTF Board of Directors. So he's currently on the board now, and his seat is up for, well, it's up to be filled, whether Ronnie gets back in there or someone else does. So I wanted to get Ronnie on and just have a conversation with him like I'm doing the rest of the guys that are running for those open seats. And Ronnie, how are you today and where are you? I'm fine. I'm fine, Andy. I'm at home in Moultrie, Georgia, overlooking the cotton field. Just got in from a deer stand with, with my grandson. It's a great day. Fantastic. So when I talked to you yesterday afternoon, y'all were heading out to the stand. Did you do any good yesterday afternoon or this morning? We did not, but we had a great time. Anytime you can hunt with your children and grandchildren, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. And I own my own place up in Worth County, just above Moultrie here, and I've been trying to raise some trophy deer for years and seem to be doing a pretty good job of it. And uh, I know I got some good deer on camera. It's just this weather's changed. It's turned off warm and and humid and cloudy, and mm-hmm. it's just not real good deer hunting weather right now. Yeah. Well, the deer gotta they've gotta eat and they've gotta drink no matter what. It's just I think for us it's not that much fun being out in the stand when we're sweating. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So tell us about yourself and why you're running for re election to the NWTF Board of Directors. Be glad to, Andy. I'm married to Susan. We've been married forty four years. She's a retired school teacher and we have two children and four grandchildren. I'm a licensed real estate auctioneer with a company called Rival Auctions. It's over 85-year-old 80, company. I was previously, I was a public housing director for 30 years and, and owned my own business. And so yeah. I've got a lot of background in business. I've, I've got a, a great name. And, you know, you, you spoke about my name. And, and being in sales, my, my logo is with a name like Ronnie Reagan, you got to be good. <laughs> So, and it gets me in a lot of doors, and I've never met a stranger in my life, and I, I love what I do. I love talking to people, and I love the NWTF. I became a member 30-something years ago. I was one of the charter members of the Atlanta chapter when I lived in Metro Atlanta. I moved to Moultrie 30 years ago after that, shortly after that, and I uh, helped start a chapter down here called the Double Gobble Chapter of Coffin County. And then the okay. next year, I helped start a a chapter over in Valdosta, Georgia with a friend of mine. I was co-founder of that chapter. And this chapter down here is having our 25th banquet this year with Michael wow. Waddell's coming to our banquet. This chapter, who is now my wife's running, and since I'm not able to serve as president of the chapter, we've been a, a leader in, throughout Georgia ever since it was evolved. Uh, we've won several awards. we won the 2015 and 16 L.A. Dixon Memorial Award at National Convention for being one of the top chapters in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, last two years in Georgia, we've been number two in the state of Georgia. We've been raising over ninety to $100,000 for the last two years. That's awesome. For this little farm and agricultural community. It's not bad for country folks, as we say now. But it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to, to serve the NWTF. You've got to have a passion for turkey hunting or you wouldn't be doing it. Depending on what, whatever, I don't care if you're a state, a state leader, a local leader on the national board, we're all volunteers and we're all in it for the same reasons. And that's the love 
of the wild turkey and conservation of our hunting heritage. Our logo for the NWTF is our mission is we're dedicated to the conservation of the wild turkey and the preservation of our hunting heritage. It's real simple, and we're all mm -hmm. dedicated in doing that. Having served on the board for, for my first three-year term, I've got a good insight now of what it takes to run the NWTF. And it's not just a chapter. It is a multi-million dollar business, and we have to be cognizant of that fact. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went on the board, the first thing they told me was, Ronnie, you've got to remember that you're not representing Georgia. You're representing the entire country, and I try to keep that in mind when I go to these board meetings and I hear the business of the NWTF. Just yeah. recently, we got a new CEO in Becky Humphreys, and let me tell you, in my opinion, Becky's probably the going to be the number one CEO of the Turkey Federation has ever had. She is just fantastic, and I, she's got the credentials, she's got the personality, and she's certainly got the leadership abilities, and we, we're all very thankful for that. And I just want to keep keep that tradition going, and I want to hope I can get elected to be to keep it going and and make it more successful in the in the coming decade. So. Ronnie, can you tell us why you deserve our vote, why these, and I know there's some very qualified gentlemen that are running, and but there's three seats and six people running for it, and what separates you from the other guys that are running for that open, those open board seats? First thing I'd say, say Andy, is that we all we all deserve their vote. I mean, when it gets down to it, we've all got the passion. Mm -hmm. But there is some differences in in in, uh, in these people, and I don't know them all. I know I know a couple of them, but I don't know them all. But I can tell you what Ronnie Reagan will do as as your board member. I've, I've served on the board for three years now, and it it basically takes takes two years at least. To get to feel your way through because you don't meet that often. You only meet four times a year, and one of those at the convention. Mm -hmm. So it takes a while to to get your feet under you, if you will, and get comfortable with the with the operations of the NWTF. Like I said, we're a multi-million dollar business, and got to you have to remember that it is a business. Right. And you also have to remember after you get on there that. Even though I'm from Georgia, you're representing the entire United States, not not just the members in Georgia. So you have to broaden your horizon as to what what your expectations are for the Turkey Federation as a whole. Yeah, I have many years of business experience. I've been the uh, Chamber of Commerce president here in Moultrie. I've, I've served on several boards, fundraising boards, and I have a natural knack for raising money for, for organizations, particularly 501c3 organizations. And, and being in the real estate auction business, I've, I've sold land all over the United States, mostly in the southeastern United States. So I've made a, a lot of contacts with wealthy individuals. And mm -hmm. those contacts become very valuable when you're trying to raise money for a 501c3. Right. Uh, hopefully with, with, with this experience and and the board helping guide our CEO, Becky Humphreys, that we will lead the Turkey Federation into newer and greater heights in the next decade. All the while, we're accomplishing our goals of save the habitat, save the hunt. And what that involves is, is to slow the loss of critical wildlife habitat by conserving and enhancing 4 million acres of land, 
We want to create 1.5 million new hunters and hunter, hunter license holders. And we want to increase access to over 500,000 new acres of public hunting land. And all the while, we want to reserve the wild turkey population. Fantastic. All right. Hopefully that interview helped you get to know Ronnie better and why he is qualified for and worthy of one of your votes for the board. Now, as I mentioned, I'm attempting to track the other nominees down for a quick interview where I'll be asking them the same two questions that I asked Steve and Ronnie. So hold on to your ballot for a couple more weeks. If I can't track all of these other guys down, then, well, at least we got to know some of those who are running for the board and we can make a decision from there. So up next, I have the lost part of each interview with Greg and Ronnie, where I ask them to share with us the story of their last successful turkey hunt and the one or two things that made that hunt a success. Here's Greg to tell us about his last successful turkey hunt. Okay, so... I think that gives everybody listening a pretty good idea about your background and and why you're running for the position and what you can offer to the NWTF and all of us members. And so I appreciate you going into all that and taking some time to, to chat with us today. I've got one request for you, and mm-hmm. hopefully you won't mind doing this, but I like to get as much information as I can from the guests that I have on the show that I think can help us be better turkey hunters. And one way of doing that I have found is in sharing stories. Can you share the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt or your last successful turkey hunt and one or two things that made that hunt a success for you? Absolutely. I can say, uh, fortunately, that the last one was also a successful one, so I can share that story. They're not always the case. I like how you qualified that. Yeah. Uh, so last trip was in Wisconsin. I had a friend from one of the Virginia chapters of the NWTF out hunting, mm-hmm. and we were hunting the border of public land and private land. Okay. Public land being a cornfield with a small section, maybe a 10 strip section of a 10, 10 foot, 10 yard strip of woods that surrounded it. And then hardwoods all around the field that were private. And we set up, you know, we didn't know this area. We were showing up late in the season. And so these birds had been pressured by a lot of people um, going to this cornfield and trying to set up Mm -hmm. blind decoys, whatever it may be. So we did the same thing that a lot of other people did which was we saw the birds out there. So we came back at a time where they weren't there and set up a blind, set up decoys, and we kept doing that for a couple of days. Uh, we, we dropped the blind after a day, thinking maybe they were staying away from the blind. But what was happening is the birds were coming out of the woods. They weren't really gobbling much to us, but they would come out of the woods and they'd come out into the field and they'd strut in the sun. And they would look right at the decoys right at the ground line and they'd stay a hundred or 150 yards away from that walk everywhere in the field. They just wouldn't come over. <laughs> and, you know, we figured out after sitting there, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing day after day, uh, or you got to hope that maybe it's a different bird that comes through, but these birds were, were onto it. So the last day of the hunt, we decided we're dropping the decoys, we're not bringing it uh, a blind with, And we're going to move to one of the spots. They were coming out of the woods in the same set of spots all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is 
we set up kind of in between those, the, the two spots where we thought they might come out and did a little bit of calling and we heard one respond in the woods and we belly crossed since we're in a cornfield on the edge of the woods, we had no cover. And we, we knew he was probably just, you know, 50, 60 yards in there, just looking through all the green stuff that was growing mm-hmm. probably into the field. So we belly crawled over to where we thought he was going to come out and we set up and we just sat there patiently, didn't do any more calling. And sure enough, he did exactly what he had been doing last couple of days. He came out, he stuck his head out of the woods, looked out in the cornfield and then started coming out in the cornfield to do his strut thing when he didn't see any decoys or a blind set up. And we tagged him right there when he got into the field. And it was pretty exciting because it had been a couple of days. And, you know, you put in that kind of time. That's how, and you're watching these birds over and over and over. And so it, it was good closure to the hunt. And I, I will say the two things that probably the takeaways were, one, kind of knowing the terrain. And, and you know, we didn't get to scout ahead of time. Right. We did know, you know, by, by looking at Google Maps, you know, where the birds were moving, where they were on a hill or where they'd be low when we were in the cornfield. So we knew when we could kind of make a move. And I think knowing the land is very important because it dictates what the, what routes the birds might take. Mm-hmm. Not always, but, but it's very helpful. And then secondly, I'm a big fan of the belly crawl. I think a lot of times it's the spring, it's wet, it's muddy, weather's not always nice, it can be cold, really don't want to, you know, drag your gun or your gear through all of that stuff. But more times than not, when I found myself in areas where you, where you have eyes on the bird or you know where the bird is, but you know, you can't move that belly crawl is the difference in that, in, in being able to make a kill shot or having him stay out at 50 or 60 yards. And that's, this is probably the fifth or sixth bird in the last two or three years that I've killed by belly crawling. And I, you know, I joke about it now. It's, it's, I'm a big fan of the belly crawl because it can move, you know, it lowers your profile so much. Those birds may have such incredible eyesight. You've got to find a way to get out of cover from them. And right. a lot of times, you, you know, it's, they're, they're holding up a distance just outside of shooting range or eye shot. And there's, you know, too often, I think we as turkey hunters get stuck on the tree thinking, I can't move. I can't, mm-hmm. he's going to pop out at any second. And I think we've all been busted by moving at the wrong time. But the belly crawl has been, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the belly crawl and, and how it can close a little bit more distance to just get you into the right position. Are you sure you didn't learn how to turkey hunt in Alabama? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, I've hunted with a lot of people, Andy, and, and here's a takeaway point for, for all the hunters out there. Don't think you know more than anybody else. Oh, that's Every true. time you go hunting with somebody, use it as a lesson. Don't sit there and think they're doing this wrong or why are they doing this or that's not what I would do. Take notes. Think about what they're doing. Every place is different. You, use it all as a lesson. You're not going to always use every tool that they give you. But, you know, and sometimes you'll use it as a lesson of not what not to do. But I, you know, that's like I said, I'm coming to the NWTF to stand on the shoulders of other great people and great ideas. I do the same thing with my turkey hunting. I started way, way later in life than I would have liked to. And the only way to get up to speed was to decide that I was not going to learn the hard way. I was going to take advantage of every person I hunted with and let them lead and show me. And I would, I would take away what I could from it. It's, it's paid dividends. Last year was 
nine birds in the spring. So very it was nice. a good spring. Yeah, very nice. Awesome. Greg, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on and chat with us and let us get to know you a little bit. And I wish you a lot of luck in your run for the board. And maybe we'll get to talk again sometime real soon and share some more stories. I love that story. That was awesome. And I think those takeaways were spot on. So hopefully some of our newer hunters will learn from that and learn that just because the turkey does have exceptional eyesight does not mean that we are glued to that spot. So take that chance. Be a little bit more aggressive and you might find that it works out in your favor. But if you can do it and do what Greg said, learn from all those people that you're able to go hunting with. You're just tacking on experience every time you go and nothing could top that. So awesome. Greg, thank you very much. Thank you, Andy, very much. Hope to see you at convention this year. Maybe we yes, can uh, share some stories at convention. Absolutely. I will be there. Look forward to hopefully getting to meet you there. Me too. Have a great Take afternoon. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. Goodbye. You Bye. And now, here's Ronnie to tell us about his last successful turkey hunt. Uh, all this talk about turkeys has got me craving a turkey hunting story. So... <laughs> Can you tell me the story of your last successful turkey hunt and maybe one or two of the things that that happened or that you did on that hunt to make that hunt a success? Well, I, I've got many successful hunts, but the last hunt was not that eventful. The one that sticks out in my mind was a, a couple of years ago. It was on my 65th birthday. I was hunting with a young man who I Several years ago, I called up his first turkey for him. His granddad had called me. His granddad allowed me to hunt on his farm. And he had called me. He said, would you take my grandson hunting? I said, sure I will, Mr. Eddie. So I lined it up, and we, we set up to go hunting the next morning. Well, it turned out that it was my 65th birthday. And so I had done some scouting on this farm. and kind of knew it pretty good. So we went in there in the dark, set up, and... I did a fly-down cackle, turkey gobble, and I, I punched the young man, and I said, we got this, we got this. So we sat there a few minutes, and all of a sudden, here comes one gobbler, two gobblers flying in the field, and a couple of hens. I, did, I, I, I cut and yelped a little bit, and the two gobblers came running in. We shot them both. We got a double on my 65th birthday, and I'll never forget that. Hit my wow. two beers, his had some long spurs, and it just... It was the most memorable hunt I've ever had, particularly with the situation of, of a young man that I had called his first turkeys for. And I forgot left something out. Not only did he kill one turkey, he killed two that morning. I was going to shoot one, but he killed two before I could even pick my gun up. <laughs> wow. So that was, that, I will never forget that as long as I live. And, and I still hunt with a young man today. That's awesome. What do you feel like really contributed to that hunt going down the way it did? My ability to know the property and scout it. Yeah. I've been hunting this property for many years. You, after after you hunt a property for a while, you know you get to know where the turkeys want to be. I don't care how good a caller you are. If you're not where those turkeys want to be, they're not going to come to you. Right. Yeah. I've been I've been hunting turkeys a long time, and and I still learn every time I go out. But it's 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 all about the challenge. I mean, I love a challenge, and that's what turkey hunting is a a big challenge. Yeah. I think that's 
that's got so much to do with what makes the sport so addictive is that we do learn every single time we go out and you know there's something humbling about getting beat up by an animal that has a brain the size of a walnut exactly i, I agree with that totally you know it, it's a passion but to most of us turkey hunters it's an obsession you either love turkey you're obsessed with turkey hunting or, or or you don't care about it, there's no middle ground in my yeah, opinion. You're right, and I think you really hit the nail on the head so many times. The reason that we're successful is because we do know the land and we know what the birds are going to do on that land. And I, I like the part of the story where when that turkey gobbled, you hit him on the shoulder and said, we got this. You know, that tells me that you've been hunting that property for a long time, and I bet that's not the first time you've killed a turkey in that spot. Oh, no, no, I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got several trees I can go to and kill a turkey on every year. Oh, uh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, that's great. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate that, and I hope that you and your family just have a wonderful turkey day, which is coming right up on us, and I wish you a lot of luck in the election, and maybe I can hook up with you and shake your hand and say hello in Nashville in February. I'd love to do that, Andy. God, God bless you and your family, and y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. You too. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Okay, I hope that you guys enjoyed those stories and picked up on something that will help you have more success this fall, winter, and or spring. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. I hear some turkey and dressing and some pecan pie calling my name. With that said, I want to wish all of you and your loved ones a very happy Thanksgiving. For those of you traveling to visit your friends and family, I wish you safe travels as well. I want all of you to know how very grateful I am that you take time out of your very busy schedules to listen to this show. I truly never expected to have so many of you guys listening to me talk about wild turkeys and turkey hunting each and every week. It has blown my mind, and I'm grateful for that. And I want you to know that I'm honored and very appreciative, and I really look forward to bringing you guys more and trying to help you guys more in the future. Happy Thanksgiving. Now go, turn this off, go spend some time eating, watching football, and enjoying the company of your friends and families. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.